I'd like you to turn in your Bibles so you can be ready when we go right into the Word to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 6. Hebrews 11, 6. <clears throat> the Bible says we should study the Word of God. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many people study the Bible on a regular basis, but I suspect there may be many of you here today that need to hear this word about the importance of studying the word so that we can apply it to our lives and walk pleasing unto the Lord. That's one of the whole primary purposes of it. When I first got saved, I was uh, actually in college, so studying was just part of what you did. And so um, studying the, the, the word when I first got saved wasn't awkward, but it was different. The dynamics of it were different. To be candid with you, um, at that time in school, trigonometry and physics weren't exactly leaping off the page at me. But when I got saved, all of a sudden the Bible became real, became alive. And things were happening as I was reading the Word of God and thinking, my other college books aren't doing this for me. And, and I began to really know who Jesus was. And right after I got saved, I began to go to a church that really taught the basics that if you know what he said, you'll begin to learn who he is. And if you learn who he is, you'll begin to accept what he did. And if you accept what he did, you'll truly know who he is. And if you know who he is, you really want to walk with him and you'll want to walk pleasing unto the Lord. So the importance is know what did he say? And what does the Bible say? So as a, as a teacher should do, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to tell you what I told you. <laughs> so the, the three basic things I just want to cover in the next couple of minutes with you is, what does faith in Christ look like as revealed in the Word? And that, that all things are focused in who Jesus Christ is. The fullness dwells in him, and it's his desire that his life be revealed in us. So what does that faith look like? What does it do for us? What does the fullness of God in Christ mean for us as revealed in the word and the fact that Jesus really wants to live his life through you? So with that in mind, what pleases God? In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, if you're there, you go to verse 6, and it says, but without faith... It's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is a familiar passage of scripture to many of us who have been walking with God. But I want to call your attention before we get into the, the aspect of, of how faith comes is just call your brief attention to this particular verse is sandwiched in between the by faiths of Hebrews. In fact, right before it, it says, by faith, in verse 5, Enoch, and right after it says, by faith, Noah. There's 18 by faiths in the book of Hebrews. So all of a sudden, when the Bible is talking by faith, by faith, by faith, it says, and this is sandwiched in between, in fact, it's right after the scripture regarding Enoch. And it says right above there, it's before verse 6, it says, he, that he pleased God. Enoch as, as talked about in the book of Genesis very quickly, was like seven generations from Adam. And it says he was 65 years old and he had a son named Methuselah. 
But after he was 65, it says, then he began to walk with God. So life happened to Enoch, and he began to walk with God. And so as the Bible explains what does walk with God look like, it means that, that we are going to walk in faith with God. We want to know what his promises are, and we're certainly going to make an effort to live a holy life. Because when, when the Bible says that somebody walked with God, they looked for the word of God. They looked for the promises of God in their life. They were obedient to what God said, and they, lived, they, they wanted to live a holy life. It was a heart before the Lord. And this was so astounding because it says in the Bible that God took Enoch before he saw death. And then it goes on and talks about the other, um, his, the genealogy of the book of Genesis, but then it goes through the rest of the by faith in Hebrews. So in that context is what caught my attention because I said, I've heard this scripture before that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But why all of a sudden was Enoch singled out as one who pleased God because he wanted to walk with God. And we as Christians today, the only way we can learn to walk with God is to know what this says. This is the inspired and revealed word of God. The importance of this in our, in our study, in our devotions, in our prayer cannot be overstated, particularly to the young people. It's not to say don't study trigonometry and physics. You can study that all you want and you have to do your lessons in, in school. But when you, when you get into the word of God, you come into it because the Bible says that, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently or earnestly seek him. So this is what was happening in the life of Enoch. That's why God took him. Something was occurring in this man's life. Even after he started a family, he didn't walk with God for the first 65 years of his life. The book was very specific about that. So if you're here in the house today, and you haven't been walking with God, you can start today. You can start a walk with God today. It will absolutely change your life. So faith comes from hearing. So my question began, if, if, it's, if I can't please God without faith, then what pleases God? It's one thing to say, without this, he can't be pleased. So that's kind of an overarching or overshadowing um, way that I think about the word. But there are a lot of things in the, that the, you can do in your walk that does please God, but without faith, you can't please God. So this has to be the anchor. This has to be what, what you, when you look at Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. It's the belief that if I study the word of God, if I pray, and I ask God to change my life, I believe God will do that. I believe that. And as a result of him changing life, my faith is restored, it's renewed, and it just continues to be built over time. And so the importance of being into the word, again, cannot be overstated. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's point number one. It's found in, in Romans, the 10th uh, chapter, I'll just, it just refers to that's how faith comes, hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you read the the word of God, that's the logos, okay? That's where we get the word logos. And a lot of you look at the Bible software called logos. It's studying of this word. But rhema comes when God takes this word and that begins to leap off the page and inspires your heart. That's what happens when you're reading Psalms or Proverbs or you're reading the book of John. That's what actually occurred to me. I was reading the Bible when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was just simply reading the Bible. 
And the logos became rhema. And rhema then all of a sudden just sparked in my heart. And the revelation of who Jesus Christ was, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So the reading of God's word cannot be overstated. On a regular basis, read God's word. It will begin to define who he is and that the fullness is in him and he wants to reveal himself to you. The word prepares our minds for action. That's the first bullet under point number one. The word of God prepares our minds for action. Peter wrote this in, in, in 1 Peter, uh, the first chapter, verse 13. And again, I'll read it for you. The good news about this teaching format is that you, you see the slides, you can go back onto the website, you can look at the teaching, you can see the scripture references and, and take a, um, an expanded version, if you will, of what we talk about in just a 20-minute section or so. And you can actually look at that for yourself and watch God, what he'll do in bringing the word alive to you. But Peter says, therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to be sober and on the alert that when God begins to reveal his will for me in here, that I'm ready for it. That I'm actually paying attention to what God is speaking to me. And so Peter, who actually wrote this, was the very uh, disciple who in, in the, uh, Acts the 10th chapter, God said, look, I want you to go to the house of Cornelius, but I'm telling you to do this, Peter, and doubt nothing. So he cautioned Peter, don't doubt what I'm telling you to do. I want you to go. So the very one who wrote this epistle is the one who the Holy Spirit said, I don't want you doubting what I'm commanding you to do. And of course, we know through the word of God and what happened in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and Cornelius' family got saved and the Holy Spirit fell. And so the Gentiles began to see the gospel through the apostle Peter out of obedience to the word. And so if Peter understood the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you want to know God's voice, who wants to know God's voice? You got to get in here first. He will not speak anything outside of his word. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment about how Christ is revealed. But the word of God prepares our minds for action. Secondly, it renews our minds to know what God's will is. How many want to know God's will? The only way you can know God's will is to get into his word. Look at Romans, the 12th chapter, if you will. Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 2. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the Bible renews your mind. I don't know about you. I need my mind renewed all the time. I need the washing of the water of the word over my thoughts and over my motives and over my intent. Because the word of God is a discerner of your thoughts and your motives and the desires of your heart. As you begin to read the word, God begins to speak directly into your life. Not only words of caution, but words of hope and of the future and of, of, of courage and of boldness and what God wants you to do in your life. This is what happens when we begin to, to read into the word and it says, don't be conformed. And that word just simply means that we're, we're, not, we're not willing any longer to be poured into a pre-existing mold. Conformed is from the word where we get schematic. It's a pre-established it's pre plan. It's a drawing, if you will. 
So when we're conformed to the pattern of this world, this schematic, it's like we're automatically poured into it. And God says, I don't want that. I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so this goes right along with what Peter said, that you prepare your mind for action. That can only come from the word of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you begin to, to get more and more into the word on a regular basis, God begins to inspire, that the inspired word of God, he begins to speak it into your heart. Faith begins to come. Prayer begins to happen. God answers prayer. Faith is renewed, and it just keeps going. Your faith is strengthened. But at the same time, your mind is being renewed day by day, day by day, and it reveals who Christ is. I can actually question God, and he'll speak to me through here. He will question me, and he'll direct me through here. So the importance of being in the word, again, cannot be overestimated. Because what it finally teaches is that the obedience, it will teach you obedience to Christ. In John, the 15th chapter, Jesus said, you are my friends if you follow what I command. You say you're a friend of God? Do what he says. If God said, this is what I want you to do, then follow his command. We believe that it's important that you be in the word on a regular basis. That's, that's what the Bible says. That's the only way faith comes. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he is not going to speak outside of what's written here. Every message you hear from here, every teaching you hear from here is going to be centered in here. If you're not getting it from here, you need to go back and get it from the Bible. And test it. See if it's not confirmed by the word of God. So the word teaches us that we can obey Christ. And it will actually, it will block doubt. It will actually put a, put a, a stop to doubt. Because when, when doubt comes in, it actually begins to question God. It puts that question, did God say? So if I know what the word of God says, the devil sure is going to come about and say, are you sure God told you to do that? That's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden, folks. There was a direct command from the Lord to Adam and Eve, and they disobeyed. This voice comes up and says, are you sure God told you to do that? Well, yes, the Lord said. Well, what he meant by that was, the more you get to know what he said and learn who he is, you will accept what he did, and you'll know who he is. And if you know in your heart what God is saying, you can dispel the doubts that come up. The Holy Spirit was cautioning Peter, don't doubt anything and stay rooted in the word. In fact, right before that, if you read in the early parts of the book of Acts, Peter knew the word. Read his preaching. Read what he had said even on the day of Pentecost. What he began to quote out of the word. Peter was a Galilean, but he knew God's word. And we're going to walk through in a minute that Peter knew who God was and not just about God. So I'm going to take a leap of faith that says that it's important to know what the Word of God says. Amen? Can you agree with that? It's important to know what's in here. Because the second thing will occur of what pleases God, and that's our point number two, and that is God is pleased to have all the fullness dwell in Christ. Not in church, not in religion but all the fullness of God to be dwelling in Christ Jesus. Look at that real quickly in Colossians, the book of Colossians, the epistle in the first chapter. 
I love the epistles in chapter one as it begins to open up and just explain what some of this what it says. But, but look at Colossians 1, 16 through 19. And I, wanna, I want you to read this because I want to put the emphasis on this. This is really important. As you, as you get through the word of God, it's important that we know this. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in, on, on earth. Visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He's talking about Jesus Christ. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. That simply means that he is superior above everything else and he surpasses all. There's nothing higher, nothing greater than who Jesus Christ is. For it pleased the Father, verse 19, it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. Some translations say the fullness of the Godhead is bodily in Christ. The fullness of God who fills all in all, put everything in the person of Jesus Christ. So God will always, when you're reading the word, he will begin to reveal who Christ is. Jesus is your personal savior. He is the Lord and savior of your life. He is your provider. He is your protector. He is your friend. He's the one that's going to caution you. He's the one that's going to say, the light is on this path. Walk this way or don't walk this way. He is the one by the person of the Holy Spirit who is going to walk with you every day. That's why it's so important that we know what he said. So that what? We learn who he is. You learn who he is, you can accept what he did. And the cross then becomes so relevant because you say, wow, you died for me. You really gave up your life for me so that I could be saved. God did that. God Almighty did that. And he did it through his son, Jesus Christ. All power and authority is given to Christ. Jesus himself said that after he rose from the dead. He said, all power and authority has been given to me. He knew what this word says. He knew what the, what the conversation was in heaven before he came to earth. He knew that by going to the cross and offering himself for us, that he would be seated later at the right hand of Almighty God, make an intercession for us as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He knew that. So he said, all power and authority has been given unto me. So I ask you this question out of the word of God. Who would you rather have fighting for you? The one who actually can do it, right? The one who actually can set you free. The one who actually wrote this and inspired every word of this for your life. It's, it's God's letter to you. It's God's instruction manual to you. It's the inspired word of God that is good for righteousness and training. It can correct us. It can rebuke us. It can, it can solve our problems. It can be with us when we cry. God's word is here. And as you begin to stay in this and God begins to speak to you, when, the, when those words begin to leap off the pages, it's life. It's life. Life begins. Life continues. Even after you have family, even after you have struggles, even after you have an issue, even at 65 years old. We heard this morning, Moses started at 80. Enoch never saw death, and, and this was after he walked with God for 300 years after he had his son. 
And that's why that without faith is impossible to please him was sandwiched in between him and Noah, talking about the importance of faith. And faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith in Christ produces obedience to Christ. Because the two go hand in hand. It's, it's, if you're reading out of the word and God is, is generating faith in your heart, it's, it's virtually impossible not to obey Christ. Faith in Christ generates obedience to Christ. And then it makes sense when he says, if you love me, you'll follow my command. Amen? God loves you so much and he, he wants to, to show you that you can depend on him, that you don't have to depend on self. So faith in Christ produces obedience to Christ, and that is the anecdote for dependency on yourself. Maybe, maybe sometimes you get to a point where you say, I can figure this out. I can go down this path on my own. I know what this means. And this, this dependency on self begins, and God is saying, that's what I don't want. I want you dependent on me fully because I'm the one who went to the cross, not you. I'm the one who rose from the dead, not you. I'll raise you from the dead, but I'm the one that God placed all authority into. Amen? So as we, as we say confirmed on that, God will, will always, always give us an instruction that will be right according to his word. And the third point here is that he will never instruct you to do anything that will not honor Christ. He will never instruct you to do anything that will not bring honor to where he chose to have his fullness dwell. Are you hearing me? He chose to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. So he will not do anything that will take apart from that. So everything he instructs you to do through his word will always bring you to obedience in Jesus Christ. Oh, folks, that is so liberating because you don't have to figure it out anymore. You don't have to. God is saying that I'll do this right through my word. The third point is that God is pleased that he be revealed in you. And I want you to look at this very quickly in Galatians, the first chapter. In fact, I'll read it for you. Galatians, the first chapter, verse 15. And this is Paul speaking. It says, but when it pleased God, this is Galatians in his opening the, of chapter of the book of Galatians in Paul's epistle. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me. Folks, this applies to every one of us. You have been separated by God. Once you give your life to Jesus and you're walking as a Christian, you have been set apart for God. And God then says, you are set apart for me and I'm going to reveal what? His son in you. So when you're set apart for God, as you continue to, to walk as a Christian, God is saying, I'm going to reveal my son in you. Because it pleases me that everything I have dwell in my son. So therefore, when I set you apart, I'm going to reveal him in you. For what purpose? And Paul goes on to say, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. It, he reveals Christ in us so that we can actually be an ambassador for Christ. That we can actually say, through my changed life, through the life that God has given me, I can now go to somebody else and talk about what Jesus is doing in my life. You will have a reputation as you walk with God. Now, I'm from the South. In fact, the other day I was in a, in a doctor's office and the nurse was taking information. She goes, 
where are you from? My accent was a dead giveaway. Now, I've been up here for a while. It's not as strong. I could really turn it on if I have to. But I'm just having a normal conversation. And, and she was asking me, where are you from? I said, I'm from Texas. She goes, I knew it. I knew you weren't from up here. And so I was actually thinking about this word. And I went, aha. God is beginning to, to even show me even more that, that, that my accent is a giveaway from where I'm from. So when, when in, in the word of God, when Peter got to the, to the end of the book of Matthew, and it's just a small segment, you can go back and read it, it's Matthew the 26th chapter. Peter was warming himself by the fire and Jesus was going through his trial before he was crucified. And somebody comes up to him and said, hey, aren't you a Galilean? And he goes, no, I, 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 didn't, I don't know him. No, we know you knew him. You talk like him. Your accent is a giveaway. Go back and look at it. Matthew 26, 73. Write that down. Go back and just look at that. So they said, your accent gives you away. So when you walk with God and his word begins to infiltrate your life and change your heart, you're going to have an accent. You can't hide it. It's an accent as one who had been with God. Peter's reputation was one who had been with God. He was at a struggle of his life. He was in the middle of denial. And yet it couldn't be denied that he had been with God. His life was a giveaway. His life was a testimony. He couldn't deny that. Three years plus he'd been walking with Jesus Christ. And it couldn't be denied. So one who has been with God will have an accent. And it will be known to everybody. One who just simply wants to talk about God has a neutral accent. In fact, it's a little bit of a chameleon. They can change it around. It's neutral. I've traveled around the country. I know different accents from different areas. But one who just simply is talking about God has more of a neutral accent. It's not as definitive. And folks, one who just simply listens to others talk about God has no accent because they have no voice. If you're in this word, you will have a voice. You will have an opinion because you have been with God. Amen? Acts, the fourth chapter, it just simply says that Peter and John, when they were trying to give a defense of the man who was, who was lame, was walked. And they go, who are these learned, unlearned, and untrained men? On what account did they do this? But they, they said they marveled and realized that they had been with Jesus. Their accent was a giveaway. Their, the custom of their life, the, the conduct of their life was, was a giveaway. Christ in you, the hope of glory, will change others. Hope has a voice. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God says that he revealed and, and everything dwells in who the person of Jesus Christ. And, and the Bible says that Jesus wants to live that out through you. 
Years ago, when I, when I did first get saved, I had a friend of mine in college who lived down the, the, the hall from me in a dorm, and neither one of us were Christians, so our lifestyle was, was what it was. And I became a Christian, and years later, I ran into him and began to witness to him and share my life. I didn't know if it was having any meaning at all, but a couple years goes by. Finally, he decides he wanted to know who God was. And, and I said, Mike, what, what, what took you so long? And he goes, I wanted to know if in you it was true. I wanted to know if it really mattered and it stuck with you. Your life matters, folks. Your life counts. And whether you like it or not, when you're walking with Jesus, you're going to be a testimony to who he is because your life can do nothing other, even in the midst of struggle, even in the midst of failure. Even in the midst of heartache, even in the midst of starting when you're older, even in the midst of family's trials, God is speaking through your life because he said, I want to be revealed in you, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So not only will you have a reputation, but he, he changes you and establishes you in your thoughts, your words, and your conduct. He will establish you as you continue in this. The washing of the water with the word, it changes your view. It changes how you think about God. It changes how you have conversations with people. It dictates your conduct. It begins to speak of, of the, the integrity of walking with God, the trustworthiness of who God is in your life. Jesus said, I want you to know the truth and the truth to set you free. It's all found in here. Amen? God is so good. He is so good. A young man in this church... One point years ago, I was talking to him out in the, the lobby, and he had gotten saved. He says, I need to go study theology. Somebody told me I had to go study theology at a seminary. And he honestly thought that that's what he should do. Somebody had told him that. Folks, theology is man's study of how to understand and describe God. The Bible is for us to understand how God describes himself. Let me say that again. Theology is just simply a study of how we understand and describe God. That's good for somebody who wants to talk about God. The Bible is how God describes himself. He says, I want you to live with me. I want you to walk with me. And your life will matter. Praise God. So I told you what I was going to tell you. I hope I told you. I'm going to tell you what I told you. <laughs> Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the word of God, we find that everything is revealed in Christ Jesus, the son of God, the creator of heaven and earth, in whom all power and authority has been given. And the word says that he wants to take that life and live it right through us. It changes us and it changes our world around us and it cannot be denied. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Thank you for every heart that's here right now that's heard this today, God. And we're asking that, God, you would illuminate your word to them. Oh, God, it would come alive to them, for them personally. God, in Jesus' name, as you've done for so many, God, we're asking right now for an absolute outpouring of the Holy Spirit of revelation as to who Jesus is, an individual revelation for every heart in Jesus' name.
oh God, God, fill with the Holy Spirit that they would know your word. It would come alive in your word right now in Jesus' name. Oh God, give them a, a desire to read your word. Give them a desire to go deeper in your word, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh God, show them how much you love them. You care for them right now in the name of the Lord. Make it personal. Make it personal to them in Jesus' name. Pour out your spirit. Holy Spirit, come alive right now in their hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the authority of your name, the glory and honor of your name, we give you thanks, mighty God. Give thanks to God. Give God thank you. Just say thank you, Lord.